Welcome to the Vine Church. We look forward to experiencing community with you. If you'd like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at thevinegoshen.org. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, my name is Travis. I am the lead pastor here at The Vine. Uh, this morning, just a couple quick things as we're getting started. Uh, this afternoon at 4 o'clock p.m., uh, we are going to have what we call a family meeting. This is something that we do every year, or try to do early in the year. Here's, here's what it's all about. If you want to know kind of where the church spends its money, some of the things that have happened last year in 2023, and kind of some of the things we're working towards this coming year, 2024, um, and, and you just kind of want to know some of those details, this is what that meeting is all about. And so it's just a great time to share some testimonies and some things that God's done, but also some of the details that maybe you wouldn't hear in other spaces. So this afternoon at four o'clock, uh, we would love for you to be there. The other thing we have coming up is February 24th, uh, we are leading a leadership summit here at the Vine. And this is kind of a big deal. So this is for our entire area. So what that means is we've invited all of our area vineyard churches. It's about 11 vineyard churches, and then we've invited some other churches beyond that. So probably 12 to 14 churches in total uh, are going to come and participate in this leadership summit. It costs $5, and here's the bottom line. If you feel called to leadership, or you feel like God has put something leadership-oriented in your life, and you'd like to take a step forward in that, this is not a commitment to, to you know, lead here or anything like that. This is just to help you grow in your leadership skills. We've invited some speakers to come in and just spend a fun morning together, uh, learning and growing in our leadership together. So if that's you, you'd like to be a part of it, go to our website, sign up, uh, www.thevinegoshen.org, and you're going to go to Events Leadership Summit, or you can get signed up at the Welcome Center. All right. Enough of all of that. I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump into the message. So Holy Spirit, would you come? We invite you here now. Holy Spirit, would you, would you speak to us? Would you fill our hearts? And would you move our lives forward in incredible ways this morning? Father, would you just, just speak to us in very specific ways and even help us to carry something home with us today uh, that's straight from you? In your name we pray. Amen. Now, how many of you here have ever seen the show 1883? Anybody watch that show? And don't worry, I watched it too, so you can raise your hand in church. It's okay, right? Uh, so if you watch that show, um, it, it's kind of this interesting, almost like historical kind of context show about a journey from uh, Texas, his family takes all the way out to Yellowstone National Park or near Yellowstone National Park. But they take the Oregon Trail. That's the route that they, they, they take. And I find this really fascinating because for me, I have actually a personal connection with the Oregon Trail. You see, a couple of things. One, my dad, my biological father, the Oregon Trail sits in his backyard. Like, he literally can throw a rock into the Oregon Trail. Like, that's how close he is to the Oregon Trail. And then in his backyard is the Blues Mountains, okay? And so that's where he lives. But my grandmother, and this story gets even, even more involved in my life, my gr not my grandmother, my great-grandmother, she actually came out west on the Oregon Trail by covered wagon. Isn't that incredible? 
And so growing up, my grandma, great grandmother has passed now, but as she was growing up or as I was growing up, she would share stories with me about her journey on the Oregon Trail. And, and it was pretty brutal. There, there were all these crazy things that would happen, uh, and, it, and it wasn't for the faint of heart. In fact, it was really, really difficult. And this show, 1883, it kind of portrays that difficult journey. There's the highs, there's the lows, there's the, the deaths and the destruction and, and all of the good stuff and all of the bad stuff. And it kind of does a pretty good job portraying that. But the reality is it was great risk to take the Oregon Trail. In fact, uh, the Oregon and California historical databases say that the success rate for somebody traveling on the Oregon Trail was around 20%. That's pretty low, right? 20%. So that meant like 80% of the people wouldn't make it. So out of the roughly 400,000 people that journeyed on the Oregon Trail, 80,000 of them made it. 320,000 died. Like, that's pretty staggering, right? Like, how many of you would take those odds? Like, if flying on a plane this afternoon, it was like, hey, so like 80% of the flights don't actually make it to their destination. You in? Right? Like, most of you are like, nah, man, I'm driving. Right? Or, or what if, like, you, you were going to a sports game, and they're like, hey, this sports game's pretty great, but... Um, if you're going to come to this football game, like 80% of the people die. Like how many of you'd be like big sports fans then, right? <laughs> you're like, no, I'm not going to do that. But this is what their life was like. Like the risk was great. So why on earth were they willing with those kind of odds to take so much risk? Here's why. Because their vision was bigger than the risk. Their vision was bigger than the risk. They had found something that was worth risking their very lives to, to make happen. And so they embarked on this journey. And for them, the risk was great, but, but the promise was that maybe they could make a better life for their family. Here's the deal. As Christians, we need a vision that is bigger than the risk. We need to carry a vision for our lives that is greater than the risk of following Jesus. But the challenge that we face is that as Christians, we often understand some of the risk. We, we know what it's gonna cost us to follow Jesus. We see it and we see that it can be a costly thing. But here's the question, do we really understand the vision of just how valuable God's kingdom actually is? We understand the risk, but do we really understand the vision of what we carry? That the kingdom of God is priceless. A relationship with Jesus is life-changing. It's hope, it's worth giving are everything to. That's the message of Jesus that we should be carrying. That's the vision that God has given us to carry. And this vision that God has given us, it can be expressed in four simple words. God's love for us. 
God's love for us. John 3.16 says that God loved us so much that he gave his son for us to die on a cross so that we could have relationship with God. And in 1 John 4.19, it tells us that God actually loved us first. And what we see through the narrative of the Gospels is that God actually loved us before we loved him. And even at the beginning of time, in creation, God chose to love us before we were even created. So today, we're going to look at Matthew 22, verse 37, and see how God invites us to respond in light of his love for us. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Matthew 22, verse 37. I'll give you a second to get there. This passage we also put up on the screen here. It's known by, by many as the great commandment. And actually, this was stated earlier in the, in the Old Testament part of the Bible. And this part here, Jesus is actually kind of reiterating it, and he's adding to it. And it says this. It says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. If you read the Mark parallel verse to this, it'll also say with all of your strength. In verse 38, this is the first and the greatest commandment. So this is like, out of all the things that we should do, this is the greatest thing. That's what he's saying. He's saying, out of everything you do, you should do this above all else. But then in 39, he kind of adjusts it a little bit. He says, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The law, entire law, and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. So we have love God, and we have love others. That is the greatest commandment that we can carry. And this word neighbors, where it says love your neighbors as yourself, it means the people near you. So look around. You've got some people near you. So it's talking about these people, right? But, but it actually goes farther than that, and, and it, it, it talks about the community and, and the broader group of people in our lives. So like at your workplace, those people that are around you. At, at the grocery store, those people that are around you. Your neighbors next door, at school, your classmates, your teachers. It's all of the people in your sphere of life this, this passage, God, Jesus is saying, like, love God, but also love those people above all else. Love God and love others. What I love about this passage is that he says, these two aren't like, well, pick one and leave the other. No, he, he says, these are equally important to love God and love others. And Jesus points out that we cannot fully love God without also loving others. Have you ever had this thought? I have had this thought at times. I'm sorry to say it, but I've had this. If I could go away from everybody and just get alone on a private island with just me and God, life would be amazing. Anybody ever think that? Or, or have you ever had the thought like, life would be incredible if it wasn't for all of the people 
right? Yeah, I know. I hear some of those laughs. You've, you've thought it. My escape fantasy would be either a, a cabin up in the mountains somewhere like this. Like, like I picture like, the hills are alive with this, right? Or a beach island in the middle of the Caribbean. How many of you are cabin in the mountains people? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you are beach in the Caribbean? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of you are something completely different than both of those two things? Oh, I think we got most. Oh, we got one. We got one. What is it? Can you tell me? Mountains. So you, you don't want to stay in the cabin. You just want to stay in the mountains. No house, nothing. There you go. Okay, right. That's brave. I don't know. You'd probably fit in that movie, 1883, really well. So... <laughs> <laughs> but my fantasy is either one of those two, but, but here, here's the reality. The temptation is to think, if only I could just get rid of all the people in my life, my life would be easier. But it doesn't work like that. It's good for us to get away for a moment, for us to retreat, us and God, for a moment. That is good. That is healthy. You should do that. But that moment of pulling away from people is meant to be temporary so that we can get filled up and then we can get right back into the mix and we can be around people once again. So our utopian idea of this desolated island life away from everything else, it's not God's idea of what it means to love God or love others because you can't love God without also loving others. So loving people is a huge part of loving God. And so today I want to talk about, give you a couple ideas of how love interacts in our life and it, and it changes some things within our life. And so my first point today is this, it's Love overcomes fear. Love overcomes fear. First John 4.18, it reminds us this. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love, it drives out fear because fear involves punishment. The one who fears has not been perfected in love. Love drives out fear. You know, a number of years ago, I had a, a guy that I knew, and, and we had had some conflict. We kind of just butted heads over some things. And he reached out and was like, hey, uh, would, would you have lunch or coffee with me at some point? And I was like, no, I really don't want to do that, right? Like, that was my first, like, I was like, I don't know. I don't want to make that happen. But, but I said, you know, okay, I... I believe in reconciliation. I, I believe in, I felt like the Lord was kind of nudging me a little bit. And so I said, yeah, let's, let's sit down. Let's, let's have some coffee or lunch or do something like that. And so we, we sit down and we have lunch. And like the first like 10 or 15 minutes felt a little bit like tense. Like there was tension between us in the conversation. And I, I was showing up in, the, in that way and I felt a little guarded and I felt a little bit like, you know, don't say anything mean to me or hurt me in some way. And I, and I could even feel it. And it kind of felt icky, if I'm being honest. Like, it just didn't feel good in that, in that moment. And so I was like, kind of working through it. And then he just pauses everything. And he says this. He goes, hey, listen. He goes, I know we've butted heads a little bit over the years. And, and I just wanted to say, like, 
man, I, I really appreciate you and I really love you. And I just wanted to buy lunch for you today just to, just to say that and just to express that. It's like, wait, what? Like, you, you don't have some bone to pick with me or <laughs> some other thing you want to talk to me? Like, you just want to be, like, loving towards me? And I didn't expect it. Why? Because fear became the lens through which I was viewing the situation. But what became evident through our conversation is that what, what we butted heads about mostly what was not moral issues or anything like that. It was mostly value-based. What he valued versus what I valued. And those would clash a little bit. This was a valuable lesson for me. Sometimes the battle we often see unfold in front of us is a battle fought with fear in the driver's seat. Where one person or group is opposed to another based on the fear that, that their value might threaten our value. And this may very well be true at times. Sometimes other people's values will threaten your values. But when fear is in the driver's seat, we tend to see the opposite person as, an, as a threat or an obstacle or, or something that we need to push past or through instead of seeing them as somebody that God loves and cherishes. As we approach these situations where my value versus your value clash, if love isn't in the driver's seat, then fear often takes its place. Here's another example from my life. I eat meat. It's delicious. <laughs> my favorite salad is covered with bacon. But my wife, so she has this thing that someday she would really, 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 really like us to own one of those cute little teacup pigs. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, they're so cute. The problem is, every time I look at this, all I can think of is how delicious it would taste on my salad. <laughs> is that too far, maybe? No. <laughs> Here's the thing. You might be a meat eater, or you might be indifferent. Like, you don't care. Like, you're like, whatever. Eat whatever you want. Some of you here might be vegetarians. But here's the deal. That's okay. Because we're not talking about a moral or a sin issue or even a biblical value. What we're talking about is your personal value versus my personal value. And my personal value has been shaped by my worldview. I grew up in Montana where we, we hunted and all of those kinds of things. And that was just part of life growing up. That was getting groceries for us. But maybe you grew up in a completely different context. I do, not, I do not know everybody's context in which they grew up. And it shapes our values over time, doesn't it? But the problem lies when your value and my values clash and it causes us to be unloving towards one another. You see, if I value my value more then I value you, then we've missed the point somewhere 
along the way. This battlefield is the battlefield in which many of the arguments we see in our culture take place. My value, your value, clash, disagreement. We see this in our homes, right? My, my kids do not value a clean house the same way I do, right? We see this at work. Your boss probably doesn't value how much you would rather sleep in than be there, right? We see this at work. We see this at school. We see this sometimes in the church where our values clash. Why? Because we're different. You and I are different people. We're going to value different things differently because we grew up differently. And that's okay. And we can even be passionate about our values. Some of these values matter to you greatly. They matter to me greatly. And that's okay. So long as my value isn't elevated above my love for you. And your value isn't elevated above your love for me. You see, all that really matters is that we learn to value what God values. Because when we value what God values, it sometimes changes our values. We should love God first, which means we value what he values. Then we love others as part of an expression of loving God. Then love meat, or don't love meat. <laughs> love loud music, or, or, or love the quiet. Love this political candidate, or that political candidate. I think this is an important thing for us to understand, especially this year. Right? Because in a couple of months, what you're going to see is we're all going to all be tested on how well we love each other through a very, very interesting political season. And it's important that we don't let our political view overstep our value and love for each other or for the things that God values. When love leads instead of fear, the kingdom of God is advanced. It's the byproduct. It's how it works. Second point that I want to pull out today is God's love is not always rational. In fact, it's sometimes irrational. It doesn't always make sense to us. 1 John 4.11, it says this, or 4.12, it says this, No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. That is an incredible statement. God lives in us, and his love is brought to a full expression in us. What does this mean? It means that God's love fills our hearts so full that it is within us, and that it flows out of us into the lives of others. Listen, the way that we should love should be radically different than the culture around us. Contrastingly evident and fully reflective of the character of God. And those kids are having so much fun back there. <laughs> I love hearing that. 
It should be this way because if you are a Christ follower, God lives in you. He's within you. And God's love is, it's radical. It's often countercultural, often defying our logic. It doesn't always make sense to us. You see, God's love, it changes us because it aligns our values over time with God's values. When we start to see just how much God loves and cherishes and values us, it begins to change our life. And then as it begins to change our life, it begins to adjust our values. And then we start to value others differently. We start to care more and love more and, and, and do more in the space of loving our neighbors, even the ones we disagree with. And in this process, we have a bit of a perspective shift as our values are realigned. And so I want to kind of illustrate that for a second. So I have this rock. By all outward appearances, it looks like a rock. It's a good rock. I'm going to hand this rock to you. Can you pass this rock around? Yeah, take a look at it. Pass it around. Now, I might not make it to all of you, so I'll kind of describe it. It's like dark, light-colored stuff on the outside and shiny on the inside. And this rock, like most of you are like, oh, yeah, rock. And you're just like passing it on, and that's good, right? But what if I told you this rock contained inside of it a precious metal? And that precious metal happened to be vibranium. No, just kidding. Um, for those of you that are superhero fans are like, what? No way. Yeah, anyways. Uh, no, it, but it, it, some form of like precious metal, like, and that rock is worth $3,500. Like notice the rock kind of is like, oh, well, should I keep passing it or should I hang on to it, right? Like, <laughs> um, it changes, like, with information and with a change of value, it shifts our perspective. And so as we see that this rock might be more than just a rock, we might handle it a little bit different. Now, just so you know, it's just a rock. But, but you get my point. When we start to see beyond what others see, and we begin to see what God sees in people, it changes our value for people. We begin to see things in others that, that nobody around sees. We say, there's some gold in there. That person's got something in there that God's planted inside of them. And as Christ followers, our love for others should overflow in such a way that we call that out of them. And we say, I see it. I see it in you. You know, we had an incredible moment where this, is, this has happened in our life multiple different ways. But, but one particular way, uh, before we were pastoring this church, we were serving in a church, really, really little church in Montana, Belgrade, Montana. And it was pastored by a guy named Tim Dolan. Now, Tim Dolan was as cowboy as his name sounds. And this man was cowboy through and through. He had the flat-brimmed hat, the ginormous handlebar mustache. He was like 70 feet tall. No, he's really tall. 
and he wore like the big belt buckle and like Wrangler jeans that were like just tight enough to make us all feel uncomfortable, right? <laughs> and so this was my buddy Tim, and he was like just the kindest hearted, God's love oriented person I think I've ever met. God's love poured out of this man like nobody's business. And, and he would look at people and say, I see something in you, in your life that you don't see. And he would call those things out of people. And, and I was one of those people that he called out some of the things that he saw. He said, Travis, I see that there's a leader in you to lead beyond what you even think is possible. Travis, I see that like th there's something pastoral in you. That someday I think that you're going to lead a church. He said, Travis, I see value in you beyond what you even see. And he would call it out and he would pray for me. And he would take risk and give me opportunity to serve in ways that would pull that calling out of me over time. And as he did this, eventually I started to catch on. It was like, well, maybe God's calling me to do something more than what I'm doing. Maybe he is calling me to be a pastor. And so I started like praying about it. And God's like, yeah, dummy. It's a thing. And through this process, what I saw and what I learned was a man, just an ordinary man of a, he pastored this teeny church of about 50 people. And he said, I see something in you. And he could see the things that God could see in people. And then he would call it out of people. You see, that's our job as well. See, in each and every single one of you, God has planted some incredible things. And for many of you, I've seen some of the things that God's put in you, and I've even called it out of several of you. But like, that's what we get to do for each other, is that we learn to love people the way that God loves people, and we love them so much and in such a sincere and genuine God-centered way that we begin to see what God sees in them. And we begin to call it out of them. Say, God could do this in your life. And that is who God has created us to be as Christ followers. I have no idea where I'm at. I found it. I'm in Goshen. How, how do we apply this? How do we put this in motion in our lives? I want to challenge you this week to love differently. To love in a radically different way than maybe you've even seen or experienced in your life. To love in a contrastingly evident way where people see God's love through you. To love in a way that reflects the character of Christ in you. You know, Jesus gives us a couple examples through his ministry of, of what this kind of love actually looks like when we live it out. And so in Matthew 5.41, Jesus says this, and, and, and it gives us a great example of how we can love in such a way. He says, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for one mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and don't run away from those 
who want to borrow. You see, what would happen is Roman soldiers kind of carried jurisdiction in that area in Israel. And so what they could do is they could come up to any person. They could come up to you and say, hey, listen, I have all this gear and stuff I need carried. You're going to carry it. And you would just like by law have to carry it for a mile. And Jesus is like, yeah, okay. So when they come and ask you that, say, sure, I'll carry it for a mile. But actually, could I carry it too? It's radically different. Radically different. Like, so at work, when your boss says, hey, could you take out the trash? You're like, awesome. Yeah, I'd love to take out the trash. Could I clean the toilets too? Is that how we respond? Or do we respond, well, that's not in my job description. Right? Jesus said, love radically. And this is one of the examples he gives us, to love radically. Another example is he, he teaches us how to love those that have wronged us or hurt us in some way. He even goes as far as saying loving enemies. He says, you have heard the law that says love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, most of us have not been persecuted in the same way that the people in this era were living and being persecuted. Like for us, persecution is they said some bad things or mean things to me most of the time. Some of you have walked through some really hard and painful things, so I'm not minimizing that. I recognize that. But for most people, that's kind of as hard as most of the relational stuff goes, is it's word-oriented stuff, which does hurt. But it doesn't hurt nearly as much as being hung or being, like, stabbed or impaled, right? Would you agree? Okay, so Jesus is saying, like, the people that would stab you and impale you and say mean, terrible, awful things about you, love them and pray for them. Love them and pray for them. That's radical. It's challenging. Because they don't like to pray for our enemies. He doesn't say, wish bad things upon your enemies. He says, no, 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 pray for your enemies. Sometimes when I apply this and and, I, and I'm working through this process where I'm learning to pray for my enemies or, or people that have wronged me in some way, sometimes I don't know what to pray. And so I've learned over the years, there is something that you can pray under any circumstance. No matter how hurt you are, no matter how hard the situation was, no matter how terrible the thing was that they did to you. And it's simply this. Lord, would you draw their heart close to you? Would you draw their heart closer to you? See, because when we pray like that, everybody wins. But like, sometimes God will invite us to take a deeper step when praying for those that have wronged us or hurt us. And he says this, pray for those that persecute you. But I think that the next step is to say, God, would you bless their life? God, would you bless their children's life? God, would you use their life in some way to bring about incredible things for your kingdom? And let me just say, it's hard to pray those words. 
but it's also hard to think terrible thoughts about somebody when you're praying like that. And I found that it does as much good for me to pray like that for them as I release them and forgive them as it does on their end. But it takes trust and it takes us saying, God, I trust you with this situation. I trust you with this broken heart that I have. I trust you. And I'm gonna love radically different, even to the point that it might not make logical sense. I'm gonna love like that. That's the example that Jesus gave us. So as we bring things to a close, I'm gonna invite our worship team to come back up. Here's what I would like you to do this week. This is your assignment for this week. I want you to think of two people that you can love in an incredible way. So the first is this. I want you to pick one person that is just somebody that you regularly come into contact with. Doesn't matter who it is. It can be somebody at the grocery store, a coworker, just somebody that you regularly encounter in your life. And what I want you to do is I want you to find three ways this week to love them above and beyond and extravagantly in some way. That you just like blow their socks off with love. Now, word of caution, if it's the opposite sex, use discretion and be wise, right? Uh, Don't be weird. (laughs) And then also, uh, if it is uh, somebody that you're, you know, wrestling with, just just be aware that that might not go as well as you think it will, okay? So I would pick somebody more neutral for that person. The second person that that I want you to pick is somebody that you are in conflict with. Maybe there's some tension between you. Maybe it's you you have some broken relationship. Maybe it's you're like, you would kind of classify it as I'm, I'm like almost full on enemies with this person. And this week, I want you to pray for them. And if you don't know what to pray, just pray, God, would you draw their heart closer to you? But I want you to pray for them, and I want you, I, I'd like you to pray every day for them, but, but I know that's maybe challenging for some of you, so let's do baby steps. I want you to pray for them at least three times this week. Set a calendar reminder in your phone and pray for them three times. You see, if we learn to love like that, God's love will flow through us. And that kind of love changes the environment we're in. It it has the ability of changing people's lives. So you guys stand up with me. We're going to pray. I'm going to one last song here in a moment. Holy Spirit, would you come right now? Father, would you begin to Show us the people that you've placed in our life that you would have us love them in an extravagant way. Lord, if it's the person at the coffee shop, if it's a family member, whoever, God, I just ask that you would make it clear to us right now who that person is. God, would you give us creative ideas this week to love them beyond what is rational? Holy Spirit, for those that that have hurt us or wounded us, would you show us who 
you want us to pray for, who you want us to release into your hands. God, as you help us to pray for them, God, I ask that you would change our hearts to love the people around us so, so well. That is it for today's message. We thank you for joining us. If you'd like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at thevinegoshen.org. We'll see you next time.